The things the mothers say, I will never leave you. I will never forget you or abandon you. I am right here for you. Today's takeaway is just that. <clears throat> These things that God speaks of and our mothers speaks when, they're, when we are young. I will never leave you. I'll never forget you. I will be right there for you. Not only that, when I was in the hospital, this sentence just been a lifesaver for me. So many nurses came, and when I'm in a desperate situation, and my hearts were like uh, racing like crazy, and, and um, the doctors are coming to uh, put a defibrillator on my bodies and things like that, and some of the nurses would just hold my hand and say, I'm right here. I'm right here. We're not going anywhere. It's going to be okay and okay. And those words just etched in my heart. Every time I hear those words, not only when I was a little kid, the words that I, phrases that I've received from my mother, and also during the time that I was in a difficult position in the hospital that I ever heard, just gave me so much comfort. And I perhaps the same sentiment goes to all the mothers of the world. And I recognize that some don't necessarily have a great and wonderful experience uh, with their own mothers, but most of our uh, mothers have the sentiment. And um, perhaps due to the uh, circumstances, but mothers uh, live by this principle to say, I'll never leave you. I will never forget or forsake you or abandon you. Things like, hold my hand, you will be okay. So today, as we have read the scripture, and when we think about our mothers, one word that comes to my mind is shepherds. Shepherds, they guide us, they protect us, they feed us. And when we have a trouble getting up, they wake us up. And most importantly, they're just there, simply there. Their presence is just enough. I was thinking about my mother as I was working on last night. My mother lived a hard life. It's that time of that uh, history in, in, in world cinema, so to speak. You know, during born just before, uh, way before, I suppose, during the Japanese colonization days and then the Korean War and difficult times. Remember, Korea back in the uh, 50s was probably one of the poorest countries in the world. Today, they're like top 11. But they were the poorest country. And they lived through that. They lived so much of a harsh life. But you know, interesting, growing up, I have never heard my mother yell at me. A little guilt conscious for some of you. She never told me to work hard. She never told me to study hard. She never told me to save money. She never said anything. But I know she lived a really harsh life. But she endured them all. And I suppose because of her background, just having a daily bread, just having a family, have something to eat was good enough for her. Wish we can get there. She did grow up in a believer's family, escaped narrowly from North Korea just before, just around the Korean War days. 
Then she met my father. It wasn't like love story. She, they were introduced. So there was no honeymoon, as I was told. When my father would walk, he, she would be walking like 10 feet behind him those days. And when they got married, as some of you already know, my mother uh, was uh, uh, following my father uh, to a new home. And that place ended up being a leprosy colony. I remember stories that she's been telling me how she felt betrayed by this man that she married. Never told her that when we are married, we're going to go do ministry in a leprosy colony. And I remember even when I was like five, six years old, visiting my mother in the hospital. Later, I was told she was there mentally, had a difficult time adjusting to that place. First, because she felt betrayed by my father. At that, the seventh, uh, when the seventh year uh, was over at the leprosy colony, it was then my mother who said uh, she wanted to stay there another seven years. So they both, my father and I, mothers, end up serving in the leprosy colony for another seven years. And that's where I grew up continuously. In 1968, she came to the United States. She started with uh, washing uh, dishes in local homes and working as seamstress uh, in a factory. And she got paid by a number of pieces that she uh, worked on. After being in the country for over 25 years, my father wanted to go back to uh, Korea for mission work, and she did not. My father made a decision without her consent. She was very upset, but went with him anyways. They returned back to the United States because her diabetes got really bad. One time where she was in Korea visiting, and she fainted and went to the hospital. The doctor told her that she has to cut off her fingers in order for her to survive. That's when my father decided, now it's time for me to do something, take care of my wife. And he resigned from his ministry, came back to the United States, lived with my uh, younger brother who is a physician, and uh, took care of her. She did not have to cut her fingers off. And a few years later than that, which was about nine years ago, and she passed away. During all these times of challenges that she faced, if I were to sum up in one word to describe what was she like to me, I would have to say she was like a shepherd to me. Regardless of situation she was in, she always looked up for us. Regardless of the conditions she was in, she never swayed from her ways. Regardless of condition, she stayed in silence, but made sure her presence was known. She led life in silence, but her silence was like a rock that you can actually feel her presence. Today's scripture reading, John chapter 10, is verse 11 and 14. You just read 14, but let me read also verse 11. 11 says, I am the good shepherd. Now, what does it mean? In the second sentence, 
just defined what it means to be a good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, we know what this means because we know the history. Can you imagine when Jesus was still alive, when he was saying this? Do you think people knew what this meant? We know this meant he took the burden. He took all our guilt, took it himself, and he died for us. And that's what it means. And the verse 14, it repeats. He, re- he says again, when something is repeated again, I mean, God was really emphasized this. Again, verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He's talking about the relationship here. It's like mother and son, mother and daughter, family relationship. We know each other. We know what we're thinking. Even though my mother stayed silent, but I know her presence is there. I know what she would say. God is saying the same thing through our Lord. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Repeat again what was said in verse 11. When it said 11, verse 11, verse 14, you need to look at what's in between. What did he say in between? In between, he basically said, I'm not like the rest of the people. I'm not like the rest of the leaders or boss or whoever that you may encounter that you, you put all your trust in. Oh, if I follow that politician and he becomes successful, then I'm going to be successful. If I just go with this particular boss and he's, he looks like he's, he knows what he's doing, if I just follow him and things are just going to be okay, perhaps. Many times, yes. The most times is not. And that's what he's describing. That he is different as a good shepherd, not just a shepherd, a good shepherd who's ready to lay down his life. So what does it say in verse 12 and verse 13? The hired hand, it's like your boss, my boss, who's my boss? My boss. <laughs> oh, that's different. That's different. I shouldn't get there. You know, we all have hired hand. We don't do something, we hire people, get things done. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, when he sees the storm coming, when he sees the challenge coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, the hired man, runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see this all the time in business. Business is described from verse 12 and 13. And there isn't enough money, you just let the people go. Sometimes you have to do that. But God is saying, I'm not like that. I'm, a good, I'm the good shepherd who is willing to lay down for my neighbor, for others. Which reminds me of the book, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, verse thir- uh, chapter 31, verse 15. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. 
I'm willing to lay down my life, not only for myself, included the family, but for others. The sheep, the servant girls, the employees, the people around me. That's the shepherd's heart, caring and sacrifice. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. When Moses was asking God, if people, if my people were asking me, what is the name of your God? What do I say to them? And God replied, go tell them that I am that I am. Other translation says, I am who I am. So who is this I am? What is interesting to me is in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God never defines who I am is. Simply says, I am that I am. Kind of very vague. At the same time, something very, sounds very authoritative, isn't it? But you know what is so interesting? If you go to the New Testament, and Jesus clearly defines who I am is. And that's the series that we're on. And Jesus said, who is I am? I'll tell you who I am is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd, which we're going to be talking about today. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So if anybody asks you who Jesus is, you can say, well, he's my savior. He's died for us. That's everything that we know. But you want to add a little you know, ingredient to a little color to it and say, wow, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's my light. He's the door to, to the eternal life. He's my, 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 my shepherd. He, he leads me, he guides me, protects me many times in, with the silence, but I know he's there. He's the resurrection, he's the life, he's the way and the truth and the life. You know, you can say all these things to describe who I am is. But if you look at all these seven I am's, if you were to just conclude that and summarize in a few sentences, what Jesus is really saying, what God is really saying in summary is, I came to take you back home. Because I'm the bread of life, because I'm the light of the world, because I am good shepherd that's going to lead you to resurrection and the new life, as long as you understand that way and the truth, I am going to take you back home where you belong, where you have been separated from God because of the fall. So today, who am I? I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd would say, I am not going to leave you. I am not going to forget you. I am not going to forsake you. I am not going to run away from you. I am going to be there for you. I am ready to lay down my life for you. That is what it means. Today we're going to do a little Bible reading. 
I don't usually do that whole lot. But today we're going to do some Bible reading. Because what is amazing about Bible is when God says, I am a good shepherd, when Jesus is a good shepherd, it's not something, hey, that's a very convenient word for me to use to describe what I do. No, this has been already pre-planned by God. That the fact that a shepherd is going to come down to us, in fact, that God is going to give us a shepherd been stated in the Old Testament. God tells it all. In Jeremiah, if you go to Jeremiah, that's where everything is revealed that, 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 I, that Jesus, that God is, that I am the good shepherd. And it's a very kind of grand, the way he did it. He starts off by saying, I predetermined, I conceived all this before you guys were born. Before Jeremiah, you the prophet, you were born. Let me start off with that prelude. Jeremiah 1, 4, 5 says, The word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you, this is God speaking, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Now, he's talking about the Jeremiah. But at the same time, he's saying, the rest thing, he's putting a prelude. I have formed you. I have determined this. I have determined the fact that I'm going to send you a shepherd is what is in this context. Then in Jeremiah 1, verse 17 through 9, uh, God tells Jeremiah to be bold to this generation that are wicked, who are rebellious. And tells Jeremiah 1, Verse 17, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. So here it is, Jeremiah, listening to God. Now he's spitting out to the people to hear. And God continued to give him encouragement and confidence that he is going to be with him, that he is not going to live him, he's not going to forget him. He says, do not be terrified by them. Who's them? It's us, the naysayers. Or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. Verse 19, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So there is our mighty God ready to protect us. This is the heart of the shepherd, to protect, to guide, to rescue. Now Jeremiah is ready to stand up and say the word of God. But what is interesting is God is kind of just like God is so cool. He doesn't just push us into, points out all the bad things. He begins to compliment us. He begins to compliment us knowing that I know you. Look what he says. Jeremiah, now moving into chapter 2, verse 1. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me. He's 
thinking of as his bride. And follow me through the desert, through the land not sown. What he's saying is God is appealing to us. He's trying to reach out to us. I know you. You should know me. One time you were in love with me. And what happened? That's what God is saying. You are my bride. Ready to connect with you. Ready to marry you. What happened? That's what God is saying. In the verse 5 of chapter 2 of Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says. Now you can see the change in God's tone. Now he said, you are my people. Understand that? You're my children. Let me now give it to you. What fault did your fathers find in me that they stray so far from me? They follow worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Having said that, now he's building his case so that he can eventually send someone to us, a shepherd. Let's read on. Verse 6 through 7 of chapter 2. They did not ask. Where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and my inheritance detestable. That's us. That's who we are. Making things detestable in his eyes. He's building his case in verse 9. Now he's charging us. He's putting on the court. We're sitting in the chair. Here's judge charging us. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 9. Therefore I bring charges against you again declares the Lord, and I'll bring charges against your children's children. That is probably the worst punishment charges we can ever get. We can get charges for ourselves, but to see that because of what we have done, it's going to carry into our children, what would be worse than that charge? And God continues, Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me even though God says, I'll never forsake you, but you have forsaken me, the living spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns and broken cisterns. They cannot hold water. They cannot have any hope. And he continues. He's saying, when things went wrong, with you guys. Why do you keep blaming me? Jeremiah 29 through 31. Why do you bring charges against me instead? You have all rebelled against me, declares the Lord. In vain I punished your people. They did not respond to correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets 
and like ravening lions. Here God is reminding us what we are like. You of this generation, consider the word of the Lord. Here it is. God builds the case. God charges us. Now it's time for verdict. Now it's time for verdict. Instead, God shows what a shepherd would do to protect, to guide, and to lead us in the right direction. After reminding us all the rebellions that we have committed against God, God shows his compassionate side. God begins to show us his loving side. God begins to demonstrate that I do live by this principle that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Jeremiah chapter 3, moving on to chapter 3, verse 11, 15. The Lord says to me to tell the people, faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go and proclaim this message to the north. He said, return faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer. I thought there was going to be a verdict. There should be a verdict. He built a case. He charges us. Now it's a verdict. But instead, God shows his compassionate side. Return, O faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer. For I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only, but we got to do our part. Only acknowledge your guilt. You must confess that you have rebelled against me. You have to acknowledge it. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. And finally, this is where shepherd comes in. In Old Testament, as to who God is, I am. Verse 14. Verse 10, it says, return, faithless people. That's us, declares the Lord. For I am your husband. What was it before? Before we are just brides. Now he uses more committed were husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan. Meaning that whoever, whoever confesses, whoever acknowledges God, here and there, I'll take you. I'll choose you and I'll take you. We'll take you to the Zion, the true church. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Wow. When Jesus said, I am good shepherd, he wasn't just saying, uh, well, I feel like a good shepherd. I feel like good leaders. I want to be your leader. He's not saying that. It's 
something that our God has already foretold that he will be the shepherd to us. It's amazing what is in this verse 14. First, he calls us husband. I mean, he calls himself husband. So what are we? We're wife. So all of us are his wife. Remember Proverbs 31 that the message I talked about? It's the wife of a noble character. No, no, no. People are thinking, wife of a noble character just for women who are married. No, no, no. It's wife of noble character are those who have married to Christ Jesus. So all of us, including man, becomes wife in this case because our God is our husband. When God says, I am your husband, you know what that means? It means I am now responsible for you. You belong to me. I'll take care of you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That's what God is saying here. And second, and this is the crux of today's message. God says in verse 15, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given And the government will be on his shoulder. Who's taking the verdict instead of us? The government will be on this shepherd's shoulder. God built a case. God charged us. It was time for verdict, but instead he was merciful. And I will give you, send your shepherd to lead you out of that bondage. And he is the one who is going to be taking all the burdens. He is our shepherd, good shepherd. The good shepherd who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and Prince of Peace. And the Good Shepherd is the one who will take us back home. There was a story. A pastor was going, went to a conference, coming back home, and in the plane there was thunder and lightning. They didn't think much of it in the beginning, but when it took off, and the plane's been rocking and rolling and with the turbulence, it's lifting, and then all of a sudden, it's dropping. It's because of the crash, the, the crack of thunders and lightnings were just making every passenger upset and worried and terrified. So was he. Then he noticed there was one little girl reading a book. Everything around her. Everything around that little world of hers was calm and orderly. When all other passengers were worried, when the plane landed, pastor couldn't help to reach out to her, that little girl and say, how is it that you were able to stay calm? Weren't you afraid? 
And the girl simply replied, "Cause my dad is the pilot, he's taking me home." There are many kinds of storms and and challenges that buffets us. Sometimes lifts us. Sometimes taking us to crash course. Could be physical, mental, financial, domestic. Everything we face. The message today is: We have a shepherd. God says, "I am." The good shepherd, not just the hired hand shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Our father is the pilot. Our father is the one who said of himself, "As I am, that I am," and Jesus clarified it. I am the good shepherd. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I will. Take you home. That's what God wants you to hear today. As a good shepherd, He will take us home from the challenges, from the storms that we face. Keep your faith in Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for being our good shepherd. 